Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone, as recorded in God's holy word. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. And brothers and sisters, this morning I confess to you, this was a most difficult task. Not only was I greatly convicted, uh, but I was very tempted to shrink back and not say some of the hard truths of Scripture. But as the Lord compels me by His Spirit in the study of the Word, there will be some hard truths that we won't want to hear this morning. And I just pray this morning that Paul Francisco would get out of the way and that you, my brothers and sisters, would hear God's word this morning. So I want you to consider this. When a meteorite enters the Earth's atmosphere through the gravitational pull of the force of gravity, this meteorite will enter our atmosphere and it'll begin to accelerate. And it would pull faster and faster and it would begin to burn. And as it enters the Earth's atmosphere, it will come to a screeching explosion. And this is why we see things like shooting stars at night. But if you are aware this meteorite is, if it's still intact by the time it hits the ground, there is a great impact. And there is a destruction that comes from it. As I reflect on the beginning of my marriage, nearly 16 years ago, two weeks in, I was still in the military. And it was actually as we were engaged, and my wife was also in the military off in training, um, I was called by Uncle Sam to begin my training for deployment. And it was two weeks in after being newlyweds, I was called to serve and depart my bride to go off to war in the desert of Iraq. I was very much still a young man in my 20s and was young and full of pride in my military career. I had accomplished many successful things. I was this super fit guy that, yeah, you know, and I thought I could do so many things. But this journey scared me, not knowing if I would return home to my bride of two weeks. So I began to get focused on the fact that I had to go to combat. So I tore, turned my focus toward, towards the enemy. Looking at these vile Muslims who were evil in my eyes. But little did I know that God was sending a meteorite into my life. 
And it is as if God sent that meteor into my life and I was destroyed into a thousand pieces. But the miraculous thing is the Lord had broken me of myself and began to work in my heart in a way he had never done before. And he gave me his word. And it's funny when all you have is Christ. That's exactly what he needs us to be in that place. And he began to put me back together, fixing the pieces. It's like if you had a mirror that was shattered and you tried to put it back together, super gluing or finding ways to bring it back together. And he began to put me back together through his word. And when it was finished in this time of Iraq, the mirror, myself, was back together, but you could see all the cracks. I was broken. I was scarred. But it had given me real life, real purpose. And it had broken me in such a way that I feel that the Lord had called me to serve him in a way that I would never have imagined. So this was in 2005 when we are now in 2020. And what I didn't know is this 15 plus year journey was leading to this moment right now that this broken, scarred, rough around the edges, donkey of a man is standing before you speaking God's truth. And our text today tells us about some sobering truths, about the detestable sins against God that would lead us down a path of destruction. It's easy for us to point out those evildoers. Look at those sinners. I'm not like them. But do we see the idols of our hearts? God is speaking to us today. And he says, flee from destruction. Surely you've made your way to our text this morning. Let me read for you what the Holy Spirit has penned through broken men. And in verse 3 of chapter 5, the Holy Spirit writes these words. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure who, or who is covetous, that is an idolater and has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. No inheritance. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. 
Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let us go to the word, I mean to the Lord and pray this morning. Lord, I'm the wrong man to speak these words. But Lord, you've compelled me to speak the truth this morning. That's the beauty of going through expository preaching you deal with us on the hard things. So Lord, I pray that I would decrease this morning and that Christ would increase and the truth of these sobering words would be made known to your people. We know you love us, God. And we know that you give us these words so that we would flee from the the things that would lead us away from you. So this morning, I pray that you would empower by your spirit, your word, illuminate it to our hearts and our minds and cause us to be changed by it. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's very clear looking at the time that this is going to take longer than I expected. However, I will tell you this. It's great. We don't have anywhere else to go right now. So I'm going to preach it to you. Um, Let me give you a roadmap, though. So three things I want you to see from this test. I, I titled this sermon, Soul Idolatry, Flee from Destruction. And there are three sins that I want you to see here very clearly. Sins against the flesh. And I think they're going to be up here on the board as well. Sins of the heart. And sins of deception. So as we look at verse 3 here. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covenants must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. In verse 3. So to give you context, to recap, Paul has just exhorted the church in Ephesus to be an imitator of God as a beloved child by walking in love. Reminding us that it is our spiritual act of worship. And this is what we heard last week. He now transitions telling us what it does not look like to imitate God. The opposite of walking in love. The sins that will lead us straight to the path of destruction. Hell. Nothing, nothing is more sobering than Jesus' words recorded in Matthew chapter 7. And it's these words that... I was so heavily convicted that I had to preach this truth this morning. So Matthew chapter 7, you can keep your finger in your place there, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. It may be up on the board too, I'm not sure. 
but verses 13 through 23. And Jesus says these words as he's speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask. Oh, sorry. Verse 13, actually. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I need to give a disclaimer here, especially for you parents with young children. I will be addressing the destruction and evil sexual sin. So please consider your children parents. I will not be graphic or detailed. That's not the point and that's not necessary for what this text calls for. But I will share some statistics with you that might be shocking. So uh, I just want to give you a moment if you need to um, regroup on that. And I also need to wet my lips. So give me one second. Our text begins with the result of sins against the flesh. Did you catch that in verse 3 of Ephesians? These things, sins such as sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. Why does God remind us so often the sin of sexual perversion? I mean, it's all over the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, all through the Bible, all the way to the end. Because it is the most prominent sin against our flesh and it has been happening ever since the fall of the human race. We can look all the way back to Genesis chapter 6 and we can read of the counts of Noah in the flood. In verse 1, says these words, when man began to multiply in the face of the land, the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives and they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on earth and in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in earth and that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was evil, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. We can look to the count of Sodom and Gomorrah where the entire city was destroyed. The Lord had sent angels of death and he destroyed everyone except for Lot and his two daughters. Even his wife perished. This is where we get the word sodomy in our modern day English. 
and sexual perversion was rampant there. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 28, Apostle Paul wrote these words, and he says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. God, beloved, gave them up to their own hearts of lust. When we look at scripture and we look at these sins, we can easily look at the stupidity of Israel and say, why? Don't you see? God is good. He will save you. And then we can easily look at these filthy Gentiles. We can look even in our society, those who are not of the church, those who are not in Christ, and we can say they are evil. But let us not be deceived, friends. God is speaking to you. We are being bombarded with all kinds of sexual immorality in our society. And we as the church are not exempt from that truth. There is no other sin of the flesh that invades us so deeply, that leaves us so empty, so scarred, and dealing with the consequences of sin on earth with such a deep wound. We wonder why millions of babies are being killed every year. Look at the pornography industry. I did a little research from a, a place that was doing a poll on statistics for pornography through the Recovery Village. And many studies have been conducted on online pornography. And these have revealed some horrifying, horrifying facts about porn use. 25% of search engines requests are related to sex. 35% of downloads from the internet are pornographic. 40 million Americans say they regularly visit porn sites. 40 million. 70% of men, 70% of men aged 18 through 24 visit a porn site at least once per month. The largest consumer group of online porn is men between the ages of 35 and 49. One third of all internet porn users are women. 
And this one hurts. Sunday is the most popular day of the week for viewing porn. This day. While we are supposed to be worshiping God this day, the God of sex is being worshiped. <laughs> and listen to this. Thanksgiving is the most popular day of the year for viewing porn. This should be shocking to us. And we wonder why there's so much divorce and sex trafficking and sexual crimes being committed in the world. This makes me sick to think about it. It's pure evil sent from Satan. And the word says that all impurity or covetousness must not even be maimed, named among you as is proper among the saints. Did you know that the statistics on divorce in America is staggering? 2020, published one month ago, 39% of marriages in the United States are ending in divorce. That's nearly four out of 10 marriages. And then infidelity in the United States is said to be responsible for 20 to 40% of divorces. 40% of the adults who ever cheated on their significant other are currently separated or divorced. Maybe you're thinking, well, that's not me. So I'm fine. Think again. James tells us to look into the mirror of the word. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Beloved, I want you to see what the word says and not what Paul Francisco says. So I'm going to just turn there if I can find it in my own Bible. Okay, verse 22, James chapter 1. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. So, when we hear these hard truths in Scripture, God is speaking to us, and he wants us to look into the mirror of his word. So let us consider some questions. What are you watching on TV? If you own a TV, what are you watching on TV? What do you find your entertainment in? What do you allow your children to watch? Christian, TV in itself is not evil. But Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, to pluck it out. Meaning, he says, we need to do radical things in order to flee from sin. We are told that all these sins against the flesh must not even be named among you. If you're a saint in Christ, look how back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, how Jesus 
speaks. And verse 13, that's where I want to go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And if it gives light to all in the house, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Saints, how do you flee from the path of destruction through the sins against the flesh? Let's consider what this should look like in your own life. Do you, do we have discipleship relationships where we're holding each other accountable? I would argue with you, brothers and sisters, that we all need Nathans in our lives. If you remember I have read in your own study at one point, and maybe this is new to some of you, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, there's an account just prior to that David fell in great sin, the time when kings would go off to war and be with their people. And instead, David became complacent, and he stayed behind as his soldiers went into battle And he was on top of a roof looking out and he saw a beautiful woman who was not clothed bathing. And he decided to take for himself this woman. And then she was with child. And so to cover up his sin, he decided that he would call her husband back off the front lines and try to get her husband to have a little R&R and be the one that would be with his wife so that he would not suspect that. When his plan had failed, because his servant was faithful not only to his king but to his God, David decided to send his general, if you call it, to bring this man out in the front lines of the battle where he would fall and die. And... After this, Nathan received a word from the Lord. In chapter 12, a second Samuel, and you need to hear this, brothers and sisters. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, female lamb, which had bought, he had bought, and he 
brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup, and he used to lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock and herd to prepare for the guests who had come to, come to him. But he instead took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, this man who has done this thing deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. This is a call for you to pursue relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be wise in this manner. And I would say that it would, you should find men, find other men and women that you find other women that you can confide in and you can trust and pour your lives out in it. Because it is, it is not appropriate to share these things with the opposite sex. Many other sins have come from the fallacy of this error in the past. So I would encourage you to seek out relationships with those of your own sex to be accountable to. Parents, are you having honest and pure conversations with your children of age? Fathers, are you displaying to your daughters how a man should treat a woman with respect humility, and worth. Your daughters are watching. Do you display love and affection in such a way that they don't want to seek it from other males? Are you protecting them in their purity? Fathers, are you leading your sons to treat girls, women with respect? as precious treasures to protect and care over them? Husbands, are you displaying love and care for your wife in such a way that your children see a role model? Wives, are you being supportive and helpful and encouragement to your husband Displaying to your children love in a biblical manner? Wives, are you giving yourself to your husband in a purity through the sanctity of marriage? God's design, beloved, for marriage is to be a display of the gospel. The bridegroom, Christ, and his bride, the church, of course we do this imperfectly, 
But that's why we have Christ. If you take an honest evaluation of these things and it reveals to your heart that you've been in sin, repent, believe. We have an advocate before the Father. This is not the unforgivable sin. We are never too far from God's grace and redemption. Let us run hard after Christ. Some of you may wonder, how can these things even come from us? Where does it all come from? Why do you think we sin? You want to hear the hard truth, beloved? Because we want to. We sin because we want to. When we commit acts against the flesh, it's because it's already in us. Our hearts are desperately wicked and we sin outwardly because these sins exist inwardly. And that's why we come to our next point, the sins of the heart. As we look back at the text, it says in verse four, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater. Paul first exhorts us and warns us right here in verse four of matters of the tongue. Have you ever heard that saying as a child, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Words do matter. And what we say can cut deep to the heart. More importantly, God's word matters. Have you ever listened to those around talking about their spouses and complaining about them? Speaking in a manner which you thought to yourself, wow, um, they must have problems going on in their marriage. Or have you ever been in those social circles, especially you men, where sexual immorality is made like a crude joke? And you thought to yourself, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? You all probably heard of the terms negative Nellies or Debbie Downers. We all know those people who seem to never be happy, always complaining about something. No one wants to be around those type of people, right? But God actually commands us not to be complainers, not to be whiners. And we do this, we grumble. Philippians 2.14 has become a memory verse in our household to help us remind that us, that God hates the sins of the mouth. He says to do it without all things, without grumbling, disputing, whining, arguing, fighting. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. And James chapter 1, verse 26 tells us, if anyone thinks he is religious and not, does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. How are others? How are we 
capable of such hurtful, harsh, and evil words. It comes from our heart. But God tells us, instead, let there be thanksgiving. Think about that for a minute. Instead of complaining, we are to be thankful. Instead of arguing, we are to use our words for encouragement. Instead of using our words for destruction towards others, we are to use them to build one another up in love. This is precisely why James tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And boy, do I struggle with that, beloved. There is great wisdom in that truth. James chapter 1, verse 21, he lays it out this way. And he says, know this, my beloved brothers, my beloved Christians, my beloved sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Did you catch that last statement? The implanted word? One time while I was in the military going through the chaplain program, I was preaching in the chapel and I had studied this text and as I worked through the Greek translation, the word that is being used here for implanted word has this idea, this connotation of giving birth. This word that is implanted in us brings forth life. God's word is life. So we are told to use our tongues for thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Have you considered your prayer life? Are you more just requesting things from God? Or are you giving thanks for his mercy and grace on your life? When we do this, we are given a way escape from the sins of our heart. And the text continues, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous is an idolater. That is, is an idolater is what it literally says. When we let our hearts be filled with the world, our fleshly desires, it leads us down to the path of destruction. Friend, when we allow our hearts to be filled with foolishness and deceit, it is dangerous. If you're not in Christ, God may give you over to your own desires of your heart. And as we read earlier from Romans chapter 1, 28 through 32, and I'm not going to reread that for the sake of time. God will give you over if you are not in Christ. So what do you think of when you hear the word idols? What do you consider is idolatry? Anything, anything that you put before God. That means if we put money first, 
if we put the God of comfort and ease first, if we put food first, if we put sex first, if we put our families first, all these things are good, beloved. God created them to be so. But when we put them first above him, it becomes idolatry. And these are the idols of the heart. Beloved, our hearts are filled with idol factories. I remember one time I was listening to a sermon by John Piper. And as he was preaching, I was listening and something he said struck me hard. And he used these same examples here. And he said it in such a way to say that this is what it looks like when it's not idolatry. And it says, if you use your money in such a way that it's clear it is not your treasure. If we take comfort in the things of this world that it's clear it is not our treasure. If we eat in such a way that it's clear it is not our treasure. If we have sex in the sanctity of marriage and that it is clear that it is not our treasure. If we love our families well that it's clear it is not our treasure then it is not an idol in our lives. And that's what God wants from us. This is how we're able to commit such horrific acts against the flesh. And our hearts are leading us somewhere to the path of destruction straight to hell. Those are hard words to hear, beloved. But those are true words and back to the Sermon on the Mount. In Jesus' own words, chapter 5, verse 27, he says it this way. And I'm in the wrong book again. I apologize. There you go. He says, if you have heard that it was said, you shall now commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. These things, Christian, will lead you to, to destruction. Friend, if these things are true of you, they're leading you somewhere into the place that you deserve. These are not my words. This is God's words. Because God says right here, the end of that, in our text, he says, these things these people, these things that we're given over to says that we have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Christian, friend, saint, do not let your heart deceive you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
flee from destruction. Last point, and this one will move a lot faster. I apologize. The sins of deception. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sins, sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. We as elders are tasked with the great responsibility of watching over the flock. This is a fearful task. This is a watchful task. This is a merciful task. And we cannot accomplish it apart from God's grace and mercy in his spirit and his word. This cannot happen apart from that in our own lives. Carefully watching and listening and obeying God in his word. In this task, we must first look to Christ and seek him. Then we must watch over the flock. But what are we watching out for? We are watching out for those who might come amongst us, seeking to lead you away or would destroy, try to destroy Christ's precious bride, the church. But how do we recognize them? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 7. And I'll very quickly, huh? Matthew chapter 7, verses 15. says this, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Did you catch that? They will try to disguise themselves amongst us in sheep's clothing, attempting to deceive you, proclaiming, proclaiming to be from God as teachers, but we are not left without a weapon of discernment. We can recognize them by their fruit. They will not, they cannot produce good fruit, only bad fruit. It says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear bad good fruit. Every tree does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. We must be on watch. Do not be deceived. Christian, I'm talking about you. Keep a close watch on yourself. Paul tells Timothy in his letter, chapter 4, verse 16 of 1 Timothy, he says, as a teacher of the word, there is a greater weight of responsibility on me and a greater punishment if I lead you astray. And it says to keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching so that you mo most be able to say both yourself and your hearers. You are God's beloved children who he wants to be imitators of him, walking in love. And this is why I preached that sermon back in early spring from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and how to be an expository listener. Beloved, don't just take 
what you hear from me or any other man in this pulpit. Test it and see if it is in this book. Does it measure up to God's word? Am I speaking truth to you right now? This is our task as elders, to guard the flock by his word. And it is your job to listen and to see if it bears fruit. Do not be deceived and led astray. These are not empty words. We are told to not be even associated with it. Therefore, do not become partners with it. And I'm pleading with you, beloved, flee from the path of destruction. We are no longer in darkness, but we are his light. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're light in the world. Walk as children of the light. It ends with hope. We are charged with holding out the light of the truth of the word of God to ourselves and our hearers, not being deceived by false teachers. It will make us wise for salvation. His word is the only word that can make us wise for salvation. This is why Paul says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work in the gospel. And we are not left without a helper. We have the spirit of God through Christ leading us away from the path of destruction, but down the narrow road. We have the Spirit of God through Christ leading us. Listen, I don't have time to read this, but go to Romans chapter 8, the Hall of Fame chapter. Read verse 11 verses there, and you will see that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We can walk not according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. If you are in Christ, the Spirit dwells in you. The Spirit is life-giving. If you are in Christ, you Beloved, are one of the few. Friend, maybe much of what you heard today may have offended you because you are deceived. But if the things you heard today have pricked your heart and you're hurting inside, maybe you have even been wounded by others in this way, maybe even those so-called Christians, do not Let that stop you from coming to him today. It starts first with God and salvation. And that's through the drawing of his Holy Spirit and faith through Christ. It is a supernatural work of God. Turn and look to Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look upon him in full and wonder. Jesus is calling. Repent and believe. Christian, We will fail in our attempts. We cannot do this in our own efforts. Our feeble attempts will always fail. He did what what we could not. Look to Christ. Repent and follow him. The fruit of God's redemption is repentance and belief. Just as Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord and his holiness and responded with me, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. But he was restored from the tongs of the altar. Your iniquity has been taken away. And I will end with this. 
from the prophet Ezekiel. I think this will be up on the board. Ezekiel chapter 36. Verses 20 through to 28. It says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act. For the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. And when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. 